Uh, for many individuals, uh, a new year is often accompanied by one or more New Year's resolutions, right? Some people commit to eating healthier foods. Some commit to exercising more. Some commit to managing their time better or increasing their focus on a particular goal. A new year is as good a time as any for individual resolutions, but it's also a good time for collective community resolutions made by and with a group of people. If you were with us at the beginning of last year, as Pastor Seth mentioned during the announcements this morning, uh, Pastors Ed, Seth, and myself, we all we challenged ourselves and all of us to read through or to listen through the whole Bible in the year 2022. Uh, we felt that that Resolution, if you, want to, if you want to call it a resolution. We felt that was a necessary resolution to make because although the Bible is God's inspired word and although he has in it communicated to us everything he wants us to know and to believe and to do as his people in Christ, even though those things are true, more and more professing Christians in the world today are becoming less and less familiar with what God's word actually says. And as a result, I mean, just look at the, the church landscape right now. As a result of biblical illiteracy, flawed teaching and false doctrine is infiltrating churches in mass, and it's poisoning many of today's churches. And we certainly endeavor to pray uh, that God would protect churches and that there would be a revival of sorts, an appreciation for God's word. But Lord willing, uh, those, those, what, what, what's happening in, in, the, in the cultural landscape, or the church landscape today won't be the case at Oaks. As Pastor Seth mentioned earlier, we've renewed our church-wide subscription to the Dwell Bible app and would invite you as we begin this new year to journey through God's word with us again. And guess what? That goal, if, if Jesus gives us 2024, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to endeavor to go through the word as a church together every year that we might together continue to be instructed and corrected and equipped for the joy-filled life of righteousness that is ours in Christ. We also invite you to join us for a second resolution, if you will a community-wide resolution that we'll spend the remainder of our time this morning considering. If you haven't already, I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles or devices to what may be likely the shortest passage of Scripture we've ever considered on a Sunday morning. One verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Before I read, here's a bit of context. The book of 1 Thessalonians is the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christian church that had formed in the Greek city of Thessalonica where he had recently preached the gospel. But Paul had been forced out of Thessalonica sooner than he'd hoped by a mob of Jews who were not happy with the message of Christ. And so Paul, likely from Corinth, wrote this letter to give the Thessalonians further instructions about how to live the Christian life. They were baby Christians. He also wrote to strengthen them 
against various false teachings that were threatening the health of their church. And he wrote to encourage them as they were beginning to face persecutions of their own. And so our passage is found in chapter 5 where Paul is closing up this letter and he is in mid-thought. He's been correcting some of the false teachings that are popping up in and around Thessalonica concerning Jesus' second coming. And in chapter 5, as Paul writes about Jesus' imminent return, he encourages the Thessalonians to encourage each other that they might collectively stay the course, living godly lives in the midst of an ungodly city. And so I'd invite you to follow along as I read. It's a very short passage compared to what we have been in uh, this past year. So here we go, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. How about I just read that again because it was so short. Therefore, brothers and sisters, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Say a word of prayer with me. Father, this is your word. Short as it may be, it is packed full. And we would ask by your Holy Spirit that you would instruct our hearts, that you would encourage our hearts so that we might be an encouragement to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The... Second commitment, the second New Year's resolution we'd like to make as a local church community has to do with encouragement. Have you ever noticed the number of times that God in his word urges us to encourage one another? Here's just a few examples. Hebrews 3, 13. Encourage one another every day so that none of you may be deceived and hardened by sin. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but instead let us Encourage one another and all the more as we see the day of Christ's return drawing near. Romans 15, 5 and 6, it's our benediction passage today. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other. That you would encourage one another so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll just read our short passage once more, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. According to God's word, encouragement is as vital to the Christian life and the health of the church as teaching and admonishing and correcting and training. And here is 
likely a reason. You and I live and work and have our being in a world that is relentlessly attempting to suck the wind from our sails of faith. I don't know about you, but by the time Sunday rolls around, I really need to be encouraged by you and you me. It's because of this, Pastors Ed, Seth, and myself would like you to join us in stepping into the year 2023 with just a bit more intentionality on this. With a bit more intentionality on encouraging one another, building one another up. For the remainder of our time, let's consider, number one, what encouragement is. Number two, what encouragement requires. Number three, what encouragement produces. Is, requires, produces. Number one, what encouragement is. As one pastor succinctly defines it, encouragement is the act of pointing out the grace of God in someone else's life. I love that. Encouragement is the act of pointing out the grace of God at work in someone else's life. For the Thessalonians... Encouragement probably took on many different shapes. Something like this, brother, sister, I know it's not easy living in this city. But I see the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness in you. God is surely doing a work in you because you are not giving yourself to the idols of this city. By God's grace, you are standing out. And you are being set apart. And I just want you to know, brother or sister, I see it. Other members of the church see it. God sees it. He's pleased with it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Encouragement is the act of pointing out the grace of God at work in someone else's life. When your believing spouse, if you're married, When your believing spouse displays the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, that is the grace of God at work in their life. I mean, my wife Lindsay can testify. I, by default, am like the least gentle person in the world. So, note to you, really quickly, if ever you see gentleness, it's Not me, it's the Lord, hallelujah. It is the grace of God at work. Philippians 2.13 tells us as much that as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, it is God who is willing and working in us for his good pleasure. God is very pleased when our spouse, if we're married, when our spouse walks in gentleness, he's also very pleased when you point it out to them. When you encourage your spouse based upon what you're observing, and this applies in every relationship, when your children begin to, this is miraculous, when children begin to display the fruit of self-control, that is the grace of God at work. That is the grace of God at work when you're professing Christian co-worker despite working every day in a selfish environment, in a dog-eat-dog, rude, back-hacking environment, when your professing Christian co-worker displays the fruit of kindness, that is the grace of God at work in their life. When your community group leader 
or a fellow community group member displays the fruit of goodness by opening up their home or contributing to the family meal generously, it is the grace of God at work in them. All of this stuff is going on at Oaks. So similarly to the way that, that Paul writes to the Thessalonians, encourage one another, build one another up just as you're doing. This stuff is happening here, hallelujah. God is very pleased at these thoughts and words and attitudes and actions, but God is also very pleased when we take a moment to point these things out to one another, to say, to literally, to write, to say, brother, I'm seeing something and it's the grace of God at work in your life. I see the way that you speak with your wife. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Encouraging one another is not rocket science, but it is far too neglected. I think probably because a lot of us think, well, other people don't need to be encouraged nearly as much as I do. And, you know, we all need to be. And we're going to sort out how we can go about doing that. But encouragement is also far too manipulated into flattery. This is a problem even in the church. Flattery is like a piece of decorative fruit on a table. It looks good, but it has no nutritional value. So it is with flattery. Flattery is excessive praise or it's insincere praise. And it's often given to further one's own interests, right? I'm gonna flatter you with excessive praise because really I'm, what I'm getting out of that transaction is, well, you're thinking higher of me and I'm, I'm, I'm on your nice list, right? A lot of this happens in the church today, not so much here, but we're all guilty of it in many ways, shapes and forms, compliments and niceties that really aren't true of someone. Look, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't say about me, like behind my back, what you're about to say to me, that's flattery. Don't do it. And I won't either. I'll try, Lord willing. Real encouragement is the simple act of pointing out the grace of God that is really on display in someone's life. So who is coming to your mind? The Holy Spirit is bringing someone to your mind. Who needs to be, who, who in your community group? Who in your Bible study? Who in your home? Who in your workplace? When you think through someone who's slowly but surely showing, displaying fruitfulness, the fruit of the Spirit, who comes to mind? Tell that person. Tell them what you see. Write them a note. Add a measure of intentionality. Write a note and put, them, put a stamp on it and put it in the mail. Just tell them what you see. This is the kind of building up that each of us are starving for. We can do this. Encouragement is the act of pointing out the grace of God in someone's life. That's what encouragement is, point one. Number two, what encouragement requires. Like the Thessalonians, if we are going to do the vital work of encouraging and building up one another. Three things need to happen. And so if you're an outline note taker, under point number two, we'll have an A, B, and C. A, in order for us to encourage and build up one another, we each need to, A, on a daily basis, refill our own 
encouragement reservoirs by soaking in the truth of the gospel. By soaking in the truth of the person and completed work of Jesus on our behalf. In the morning, while you shower for work or sip a cup of coffee or listen to the Joel Bible app, quick plug, remind yourself, be reminded afresh of the life-changing truth that is heralded in 1 Peter chapter 1, that you by name have been caused by God to be born again. And the hope that you have is living, it is undying, and it is kept in heaven by Christ who has resurrected to keep it. No matter how you may feel about yourself today, hear this, no matter how you may feel about yourself, dear brother or sister in Christ, no matter how many areas in your life, yeah, you need to grow. You need to grow in many ways. No matter how many there are, no matter how many obstacles the work environment or the world at large tries to throw your way, no matter, no matter how you feel, think, wherever you're at, you've been, if you're in Christ, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God resurrected after having paid for your sin, you have been sealed by God the Holy Spirit for an eternal inheritance that you cannot lose if you try. And even on your worst faithless day, you are being guarded by he who remains faithful to you because Jesus didn't die on a cross because you were worthy. He died on the cross to make you worthy. Show me a person who has been refilled by these truths. And I'll show you a person who can't help but encourage other people. When we meditate on the glory of the completed work of Christ, it just bubbles up. Like the Thessalonians, if we're gonna do the vital work of encouraging and building up one another, we need to soak in the gospel message on a daily basis. That's number, or point A, letter A. Here's B. We also need to, and this is gonna sound a little slap on the wrist, and it is. <laughs> we need to show up for Sunday gatherings and Wednesday community group. I mean, it's impossible to build up our fellow believers when we're not around them. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is getting at when he writes this. Let you and me and each of us all hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. It's hard out there. Let us hold fast because he who promised is faithful and in order to help us do that, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Not neglecting to be together. That's the habit of some people. But being together, meeting together. And while we're meeting together, now here's the duty of every Christian. Let us encourage one another. Let us take an intentional moment, make a beeline for a brother or sister whom the Holy Spirit is illuminating to us. And let us go and boost them.
and encourage them and do it all the more as we see the day drawing near. We talked about it last week. Our eyes are on the horizon. Church, Jesus is coming and it can happen at any moment. For those of us who are in Christ, we are called to be encouragers of other believers, especially in our fellowship. But in order to embrace this call, we've got, we've got, I mean, it's two hours on Sunday and two hours on Wednesday. And that leads us to see. Like the Thessalonians, if we're going to do the vital work of encouraging and building up one another, we not only need to be present, we need to be watchful. We need to be looking. We need to be looking through the eyes of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. We need to be watchful. When we take a moment, after this gathering, for instance, when we go into the cafe, if you take just a moment to prayerfully watch, to look at someone close enough, every single believer in this building possesses something worth celebrating because they're indwelled by the Holy Spirit who's pretty good at producing fruit. Like he's remarkably good at it. All of us has fruit. Each of us has fruit. Will we take the time to discern it, to look for it, to watch it, and then to boost someone and say, I see it. The Holy Spirit is alive in you. The grace of God is at work in you, brother. I'm proud of you. I hope to be standing next to you when Jesus unfolds his kingdom. You and me. This kind of encouragement is so vital to the Christian life and to the health of the church. Without it, (laughs) we all leave those doors. We go back out to the wolves, man. We, We need to be resuscitated together during this gathering of saints. And the heavy lifting of that you know, Jesus and his completed work, but it's, I, I can't make rounds to each one of you. You can't make rounds to every single person, but if we are all making a beeline for somebody to boost them, we will not only have the opportunity to encourage, we will, I guarantee, we'll be encouraged as well. We'll leave this place ready. Ready and holding fast. Point number three of our outline. What encouragement produces Okay. At least three things happen when you and I take a moment to point out to someone else the evidence of God's grace that is at work in their life. At least three things happen. A, we cultivate them. When we take a moment to celebrate the evidence of grace in someone's life, we stir them up for more of it. We cultivate what we celebrate. Here's a super cheesy hockey illustration. My peewee hockey coach, when I was a kid, he once pulled me aside after practice. He pulled me aside. He looked at me through my face mask. He looked at me and pulled my mouth guard out. And he looked at me and he said, my goodness, Chris, your wrist shot is so dialed in. I can tell you've been working. I, I am so proud of you. Well done. Now, I had worked on my wrist shot for like 30 seconds in the summer, but not nearly. After he made that, after he celebrated that in me, 
I went home and it was just repeat, repeat, repeat. When we celebrate something in someone's life, it tends to cultivate it. They, we want to lean into it all the more. We cultivate in others what we celebrate. We also be, we empower them for service and leadership. You heard that. We empower them for service and leadership. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy. And Timothy, at the time of Paul's writing, was very much second-guessing his place in the church. He was afraid to take action. He was afraid to speak. He was afraid to lead. And so Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, this is my translation, snap out of it, Timothy. Knock it off, Timothy. Let me remind you what I and many other faithful believers have seen in you. It is giftedness. You have no reason to be afraid because he who lives in you has clothed you with power. So Timothy, step on up to the dang plate and swing. Wouldn't you know, Timothy ended up doing just that. Because encouragement empowers servant leadership. At Oaks, what that could look like. I need to have this conversation with several brothers in my CG, my community group. Brother, I always appreciate what you have to say in community group. You just, your tone, it's dialed in. It's thoughtful, it's wise. I think that you, brother, need to step up to the plate and facilitate discussion next week. I'll be there for those awkward moments of silence that everyone trembles about. I'll be there and I'll say something, but you, brother, you lead the discussion. Or this, sister. This conversation needs to happen between me and many of you faithful sisters in Christ. Sister, your careful attention to the needs of others, it's observed. You care for people. And your connections, you have relationships throughout the greater Worcester community. I notice these things. Uh, look, I think, I think you, with the gift of care that you have, I, want, I hope that you would be maybe a liaison between Oaks Church and the city and that you would sniff out ways that we can do hands and feet work of Christ in this area. You're good at it. And I see it and God's pleased. And so I just want to challenge you. Find a way that, that Oaks can get connected in that way. I need to have that, that conversation with several individuals. That's what encouragement could look like. What if we were all doing that for each other? Church communities that encourage one another like this don't lack servant leaders for all of the leadership roles. In fact, I would argue that church communities that encourage one another like this, they can't find enough roles for all of the willing servant leaders. When we take a moment to point out the evidence of grace in someone's life, we empower them for more service and leadership. And lastly, when we take the time to point out the evidence of grace we see in someone's life, see, we lay the tracks for other critical aspects 
of discipleship, of godly relationships. Here's what I mean by that. So that hobby mine, let's go back to a sport. I don't often use sports illustrations, but when I do, I mean business, okay? <laughs> it's my mic. All right, we good? All right. So that hockey coach of mine, go back. That hockey coach of mine, he never held back from encouraging me and my teammates. He was so consistent to notice and to point out the things we were getting right that when it was time for him to point out something we needed to improve upon, we knew he wasn't being flippant. We listened to him all the more. When he had a hard word for us, We listened to him all the more because when someone has been built up with encouragement, they're not torn down by correction. They're refined by it. And that is why brotherly and sisterly discipleship relationships, brotherly and sisterly accountability in the church is as much about encouragement as it is about correction. Like one thing we do actually, I think, pretty well at Oaks, praise God, is we bring truth, man. This is what it says. You're not living like it. Probably should start, right? We do, we do correct, and we can do so more. But my goodness, man, we also can and should and must be bolstering one another, laying the tracks for those kind of relationships because the person who has been built up with encouragement is not torn down by correction. They are refined. This kind of encouragement is so vital to the Christian life and the health of the church that we really won't endure for very long without it brothers and sisters. It's why the biblical writers repeatedly urge us to lavish one another with encouragement. Because when we do, at least three things happen. We cultivate in them more of what we celebrate. We empower them for more service and leadership. And we lay the tracks for other critical aspects of godly relationships. And so here is the invitation, brothers and sisters. Will you Step into this year, 2023, with me, with each other, with just a bit more intentionality regarding this, regarding encouraging one another. I mean, I could be super cheesy and say, hey, the year 2023, it's, oh, it's the year of encourage. No, we don't need to do that. It's the year of our Lord. But, uh, but what if, what if with just This much more intentionality after this very gathering when we're in the cafe together fellowshipping over delicious coffee and donuts. Although it's January 1st, so maybe no donuts for most of you. We'll have a lot left over today. What if, though, you prayerfully, because the Holy Spirit's in you, it's in me. What if we prayerfully, Lord, give me eyes to see a brother or sister who really just needs to be boosted. And let me have a moment of intentional reflection. You know what? That brother, he so regularly demonstrates this, this fruit of the Spirit. It's so good. He's so loyal. He's so faithful. He's so there for me. I just need to tell him. I need to tell him and encourage him. And then guess what? Next week, Lord willing, I'll do the same. 
And guess what? When we ramp back up into community groups, Lord willing, I'll do the same. I'll find somebody once. Every time I'm together with the saints, I'm going to look for the way that I can encourage a brother or sister because when we go back out there, we go back out together. But man, it's, it's hard. And so, Lord, use me. Here's my prayer. Use me to encourage a brother or sister each time we're together that they would be bolstered and made strong and sent out into the world ready, holding fast to the gospel of Christ. We can do this in our homes. We can do this in our cafe during passing of the peace, community group, night of prayer. We can write a note. There's a level of intentionality there that's so wonderful. We can pull someone aside, look them deep in the eyes and say, oh, I'm proud of you. I'm so glad that I get to be a brother of yours in Christ. Encouragement is the act of pointing out the grace of God in someone's life. And the grace of God is at work in all of our lives. Amen. Let's pray and we'll sing. (laughs) Father, you are worthy and wonderful. And we are grateful that we get to draw near to you And we ask you, Lord, that you would encourage us in this gloriously good news that we, apart from all of our works, despite all of our works that are flavored with self-righteousness and self-merit, thank you, Lord, that apart from all of that, you have saved us. You have forgiven us of sin in the death of Jesus. You have justified us in his rising and ascending and you have sealed us with the outpouring of his spirit who dwells in us. I pray, Lord, that would refill our encouragement reservoirs that after even this gathering and as many gatherings as you give us in 2023, that we would bubble over with encouragement and that we would boost and bolster fortify, strengthen, encourage, and build up brothers and sisters in Christ because perseverance together, holding fast together, it's a team sport and we need each other. So Lord, help us to be on this mission for the glory of Jesus and for the joy of our hearts. It's in his name we pray. Amen.